now. Hello and welcome to the Freeman Field Podcast, the podcast where three friends who had their dreams to be professional footballers dashed away as children when they all discovered food have their say on the Premier League. Coach, yo, ever present minus one, how you doing, sir? <laughs> Damn it. I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm good. Um, you know what? That that title is not old yet. I'd like I love I like it. You're enjoying it, you're enjoying it. So who 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 shout out the guy who um who done it for us, please? Yeah, the guy that um was in there, footy for him. Uh so he follow him footy for EM on Twitter. Great intro. He's done many on YouTube that you see, so shout him out. We'll tag him on this as well. Great guy. Um but yeah, I'm good. Um I didn't watch well, I did watch football on Monday. I didn't watch any on the weekend because I knew what was gonna happen this weekend. So I enjoyed Valentine's <laughs> weekend, you know what I'm saying? No stress, no foul. But I'm good, man. What are you saying? All good, all good. Can't complain. Three points, that's all that matters, right? But we are stacked. <laughs> So we'll do the introduction straight away. Basil, returning guest, how you doing, sir? Yeah, no, perfect time for me to, to return. Looks like Arsenal got a victory. I have a club that are crumbling before my very eyes. <laughs> you know, there was a host of clubs that were talking about winning the league and look where they are now. So like I said, I'm just here to just enjoy like the house burned down with certain fans. DJ Daps, how you doing, sir? I'm good, I'm good. Very good. I was going to say, when you were talking about the intro, I thought you meant your little intro. Oh, like, no, 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 no. That was sensational, brother. I could never say anything that quickly. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, thank you, thank you. I've got, I've got four, how many years? Five years of practice right now, isn't it? So, okay, okay, yeah, no. there's that. Uh, the two Daniels. I don't know who to go on for. Maybe football and hierarchy. I'm not sure. Who, who should I? Bro, you have to go with BBC's finalists first. Like, I... I... <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I realise I'm only here for um, diversity in terms of like, <laughs> clubs across the table because you, you see these types of podcasts, right? You guys get on like Chelsea fans, City fans. You know, that's who everybody talks about. But I'm here because I'm a Villa fan, isn't it? That's that's what's, that's what's going on. Oh, that's what you meant by diversity. I was going to say, I, I feel the same. <laughs> it's, 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 it's a double meaning. It's a double meaning, in a way. But, you know. I've got two reasons. One, that you're putting City up there with the rest of them. And secondly, that, that like, you're, you're not talking about, uh, like, the time of my skin. Because I feel, I feel, I feel, <laughs> Daniel, yeah, there you have it. <laughs> yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Um, not not on to talk about a relegation battle though. That's that's what that's what's positive as a mm. Villa fan. So yeah, I, I can't I can't lie. I'm still tired from the game this weekend. No one likes a nil nil, but mm. uh, that's where we're at. Hope you guys are doing well. Thanks for inviting me on. Thank you for coming on, uh, Daniel B. How you doing, sir? I'm good, man. I'm good. Not too bad. Not too bad, man. Everything's positive. Mm-hmm. Good. The internet's looking fine as well because you, you you struggle with that. So trust me, bro. <laughs> until they fix it, and do you know what? Obviously, it's off topic, but it's been it's touching two weeks now, and because of COVID, they're making excuses. Mm. So right now, it's it's a data thing, man. Unlimited data. I hear Literally. that. I hear that. Them Tevran stuff. All that. All that. All that good stuff. Anyway. We'll get into the games. Let's start with obviously the biggest result of the weekend. Arsenal. I'm only joking. I'm only joking, guys. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Leicester City three, Liverpool one. Uh, goals from 
Mohamed Salah, James Madison, Jamie Vardy, and Harvey Barnes. Coach, were you surprised by this uh, uh, victory? I actually wasn't because Liverpool have been poor defensively for a long time now. This isn't a new thing. And um, that's been with a fully fit or not fully fit squad. Daniel, you know we were talking to. Um, but anyway, uh, <laughs> shout out, Mike. But um, no, I was surprised because Leicester have been in good form this season. They've played well. They've played, I think they're actually playing better than they did last season, which is testament to, even though they did have the fall off at the end of the season, I think overall the way they're playing this year is actually a lot more um, convincing. Um, so they went to this game full of confidence. Madison's back at his best. And Liverpool, I think they chose the wrong game to blood. Uh, I, I don't know, is it Kabak? Is that how you say his name? Yeah. yeah. Um, he had a nightmare. I, I don't know. We spoke last week about what's going on with Liverpool, but at this point, it's got to the point where I just don't know what the issue is. I just know that it is not good enough right now. Bar Mosella, and that's what it is. Um, so shout out Leicester because they deserved it from start to finish, even though the narrative is Liverpool dominated for 70 minutes, then they had a good 20. My narrative is if you concede three, like four, one, and you lose, you deserve to lose from start to finish, and that's how it goes. Uh, let's go back. Let's go back to the, uh, the narrative. Obviously, the narrative is that they're missing a whole bunch of key players. Virgil Van Dijk is not there. Not having that. Not having that. Not having that. <laughs> not having that. Don't worry. <laughs> Don't worry. Not <laughs> Listen, have you seen how many injuries Leicester have had this season? Yes. Hey, uh, Daps. Let me even because this this was my little piece for my say. Look, let's, let me let me give. Let me, on the Liverpool let, side, let me ready. let me even give it to you. James Justin out until November. Ricardo yeah. Pereira missed twenty five games. Yeah. Dennis Pratt out until April. Dennis Amate missed seventeen games. <laughs> Chengiz Under missed four games. James Madison missed four games. And Diddy missed basically half the season. He's yeah, only recently come finished. back. Vardy missed eight games. Johnny Evans missed eight games. Um, Castagne, their new signing, has missed eighteen games. Fofana's out for five weeks currently. And Soyuncu missed 18, so basically half the season as well. And they're the only team who have remained in the top four all season. Yeah. And they and Liverpool, the champions, want to make excuses. Like, we're not allowed to do centre-backs. Leave off, man. Come on, man. Listen, MDD yeah. to Leicester is like Van Dijk to Liverpool as well. Let me say that. Jeremy. Literally. Literally. So. You're going to say uh, something? Uh, go on. I just, uh, I, I love the slander on Liverpool, but I said on Sunday, shout out to Leicester, the only team that wants to give Manchester City a challenge this season. And that's how I feel at the moment. Like, I, I, I got asked to pick my top four the other day. I put Leicester in there. I got, afterwards, everyone was saying they don't see them finishing in there. I do see they, they do drop some points they shouldn't be dropping. But when you look at their injuries... The way they performed this season makes me look back at the 5-2 loss at the Etihad and actually be not as ashamed as I was on the day, to be honest. Like, let's do a classy outfit. And Brendan Rodgers is he's doing a good job, man. Doing a good job. And Didi is just... But I can't say enough about Didi. And their fullback. And their fullbacks. Let's talk about Leicester then, because uh, they were, like Coach said, they, they got the free goal, so they deserved the win. Um, is Brendan Rodgers not getting the praise... That some might say he doesn't that he, that he deserves uh, for obviously getting keeping Leicester in the top four the entire season with that uh, injury injury list. Uh, Daniel Raz. Yeah, so 
I mean, this is an interesting one. I mean, for me, when I look at, um, you know, I, I'm looking at Villa's like games ahead and Leicester's one of them. And I'm just thinking, you know, tactically, um, Brendan Rodgers has done a fantastic job to keep those guys playing. You know, I've just heard, I've just heard Daniel Bamji obviously just put out a list of reasons about why Liverpool shouldn't be making excuses. Take nothing away from Leicester. Like, Leicester mm-hmm. have set themselves up in a way that it doesn't matter which of those players plays. Brendan Rodgers has them go out there and execute a plan. Sometimes it doesn't work, but most of the time it does. And I think the point is that those guys are all consistent. Um, and I have to say, you know, when Brendan Rodgers came back to Leicester, I think for a lot of people it was like, you know, come on, what's he really going to do? Didn't work out for him at Liverpool. Uh, he went he goes, he went away and did that thing where he did extremely well in Scotland. And often when managers do well at Celtic or Rangers, people always have that thing um, inside their head where it's like anybody could do it. But I think we're starting to see now that, you know, it's no fluke, all those trophies that Brendan Rodgers won over there. Uh, and, you know, if Leicester can go on and, and win the title, it would be amazing. Look, no offence, Daps, but I'd imagine that for most for most neutral supporters, it's going to be, you know, it's going to, they're going to be hopeful that, that that kind of back and forth exists for the rest of the season. I Yeah. I, I'm, I'm not mad at Leicester. I'm not mad at Leicester. Uh, I, <laughs> Leicester I mean, I saw our February's a lot of banana skins. We're doing all right all, at the moment. But if I pick out um, other banana skins in the season, Leicester's definitely one that I've... Leicester get points against us regularly. Like, they're not a team that we yeah. beat regularly. So, um, yeah, I, and I do think you're right on Brendan Rodgers. I was just thinking when you were talking, early doors when he first got to Leicester, and um, when Arsenal got rid of Emery, he was linked with the Arsenal job, wasn't he? Yes, he was. Yeah. Because we, we're talking about Brendan Rodgers this season, but if we go back, Brendan Rodgers last season, who's doing a good yeah. job. And the one thing I, I love about Leicester is, you know, they've created some great players. Or not created, let's not say create. They've found some great players, right? When they sell them, they replace them and they replace them with more gems. They just seem to keep finding gems. Chilwell, my guys come in and just made everyone forget about Chilwell. Like, same yeah. with, I mean, Ndidi, he's come in and right now, who would you have, Kante or Ndidi? It's, I mean, I, yeah, I, it's plausible. Yeah, yeah and, and, and like, um, like I just said, it's the way Brendan Rodgers has the system. The system's there. And the players, I mean, to be fair, Ian Acho, I, I didn't think much of him at City, but he's doing a job when Vardy's not playing. And um, Yeah, I think you're right. I think Brendan Rodgers is going way below the radar, especially when you look at that injury list. Like, and if, 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 I, if I can even add to that, like, um, shameless plug, I, me and my boy did an article on Brendan Rodgers, um, eyesonaball.co.uk. And basically what we highlighted was that the only reason why the two reasons why he's not getting the credit that he deserves one it's it's been his own like doing it's not been anything outside of it so you've got the intangibles where um liverpool hierarchy didn't really look great on camera they did like some reality show and whatnot and they didn't like the way he presented himself i remember as well at swansea he did very well at swansea but there was a time i think they lost like two nil to sunderland and then he said something like the city or sunderland um, the city of Sunderland should be um, privileged to see my Swansea team play. This is after losing 2-0. So stuff like that, like he just says things at the wrong time. Celtic as well, the way he left Celtic. So he's always rubbed people the wrong and, way. And 
Didn't he go out? On, didn't he out Sterling in a bit of a? Yeah, yeah, yeah. For the money thing that he yeah. left, he left City for for the yeah, money and should have stayed. Something to do with him training as well, where he out with Sterling one time as well. He's out with Sterling a couple couple of times still. I do get what you mean. Yeah. On that. I've heard one or two other bad things about him as well, but I'm not. You know, that's personal things. But I have heard that. But um, yeah, I've, I think Brendan Rodgers. I think another thing. I don't want to move away from the pitch too much, but do you think the fact that he's ex Liverpool? And you know he's not—he's not one of Liverpool's sweethearts as such. We all know that Liverpool have a lot of ex-players in the media. That they are definitely the media sweethearts. Maybe that's why the media don't want to talk him up too much as well, because of the fact that his his departure departure with Liverpool wasn't that great. So he's never going never going to get the credit. But I, I think if it wasn't for that, he'd be and he hadn't been there before. There'd be talk of him getting the Liverpool job if Klopp went. You know what it is. That's that's uh, in, in, from you know what, what you're talking about there. I think I think that's a thing that I think English fans in general. He hasn't got a fancy name, and you know I think I, I don't think we we big up our like you know British managers. I don't think we big them up. You know I think we, we try got, to, but we big up the wrong ones. It's hard yeah. to big. Up, it's hard to big up. Yeah, yeah. like Sam Allardyce and um, yeah. all the other old names. That um, um, and there's some fella from Bournemouth that's not there no more. You know no no. Like, think about it. Let's be honest. Like, Frank Lampard could easily get a job right now, even though mm. he didn't really do... Like, he did an okay job, but he could easily get a low-end yeah. Premier League job right now mm. with the CV that he has, which is terrible. Obviously, he got Chelsea, but he didn't do great. But he could easily get... A, so, it's like, English managers have clout, but they don't have the reputation to match the clout. But Brendan Rodgers has that. He's got the I reputation and he's got the... Even when you think, I mean, if you if you look at say, um, I can't. Sorry, I'm really bad with names. One thing we need to know: Southampton's manager, Arsenal. Arsenal. Yeah, Arsenal. Like, so he's been talked up a lot this season, right? Mm -hmm. I'm not saying he doesn't deserve it. I think he's a good manager. How organised they looked against us, sensational. But he's been talked up. So why is Brendan Rodgers not being talked up? Like, is it, that, you think it's because uh, Leicester are actually in the top four? That like, these are up. These guys, Hassan Hootel, uh, I'll put you know. <laughs> When they're there, they're at the clubs that maybe might be a stepping stone for. Uh... I, I take a, I take a completely different view on everything that's been said. I think there's a reason why he doesn't get his praise, and I think when you look at what he's done at the top level, he's shown because he's been given chances. He's shown that he can't cross the finish line a bit. And what I mean by that is that you look at um, the job he did at Liverpool, where he should have won the league. He didn't win the league, then in the next season it's all capitulated. He went to Celtic, and obviously Celtic were the, oh, the Rangers weren't there. Oh, yeah. Rangers weren't there, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, then, and then when you look at his performances in Europe, in both the Champions League and the Europa League with Celtic, he's done very badly with Celtic. Yeah. And that's what you're really going to judge him for at Celtic. When you look at what Gerard is doing, both domestically and in Europe, he's doing a fantastic job there. Then you look at what he did when he returned at Leicester. I thought Leicester, for me, was a perfect match for him. But then people forget he bottled the top four last season. So that shows you that when he needs to cross the finish line, you can't cross the finish line, which is why I think he doesn't get as much praise as he does. Whereas when you look at people like Hasselhutl, I think that's how you pronounce his name, because he hasn't managed at the higher level, at the levels that Rogers has um, managed, people are like, can he, can't he? So it's like, there's, there's, a, there's a bit of an unknown, that like if he goes up there, can he step up? I think because we've seen Rogers perform at that high level and not quite close it, I think that's the reason why people are sceptical to give him his praise. I think, so I think, even, even, even this season, 
it's still uncertain whether Leicester will finish top four because of what yeah, they did yeah. last year. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, and that is that is when I, I picked my top four the other day. I put Chelsea. I put uh, I put City, United, Liverpool, Leicester, um, and straight away everyone came in saying, "Nah, not like everyone else said, not Leicester." They they took Leicester out, and I kind of sat there thinking, "I'm going by at the moment," but I do know they. That's because of I see Leicester when they play one of the top six teams, they usually come alive, but then they they do have that habit of dropping points against the lesser teams and you're probably right if you're not going to get someone over the line yeah you don't deserve no credit you can have a great you know the season's 38 games i, I mean you expect no go, go on, on go on i say i i expect uh so you said that let me put leicester in there we'll let's ask the question are liverpool going to get top four considering their injuries to absolutely. van dyke and the current and the current form of their goalkeeper absolutely yeah. <laughs> yeah, you have to be a brave man to say they weren't finishing the top four. I don't yeah. I don't think they were. Yeah. I, you don't I, nah. Because there's there's no confidence. There's not like you like when you play when you play, you have to trust, especially when you're going for trust your defense and your goalkeeper. Alison, the reason why he's behaving a bit erratic is because he doesn't trust the defense. Yeah, yeah. Midfield, there's no creativity in midfield too, so they're heavily relying on the front three. People have figured out that front three, how to nullify them. And I've, always, I've said this many times over. I said, when people figure out how to nullify that um, front three, Liverpool are left exposed because there's no creativity in that midfield. The way that midfield functions is to facilitate the front three being free and scoring the goals. When you now have to allow your midfield to now do a job of now creating the goals, they don't have it in them. And so you look at the midfield, the defence and the goalkeeper, it's not working anymore because the front three aren't doing what they're doing over the past two, three seasons. So I'm saying there's like, I don't think they will find their rhythm from now to the end of the season because when, when, when Jota back, who what is Jota? Jota, uh, I think probably end of this month. He's he's important to them. He's very important. Well, them. yeah, he is because I mean, I've always said even when they got the injuries, I said the only time I feel like they'll really struggle is if they lose the front three. But the issue is Salah's the only one of the front three that's been poor. Yeah. not in form. Obviously, he's had one or two lovely assists, but. In terms of scoring goals, he's not he's not applying himself too tough. And Mane has had a nightmare of a season. He's not anywhere near the levels that we've seen him before. It can happen. Um, so when it comes to Salah, you, you can obviously he's a top he's a top goal scorer, so you can sort of depend on his goals. But then at the back, they are very weak defensively. Um, so I see what Basil's saying, and I'm not gonna lie to you. The one thing they don't need is within three games from the gap to go from two points to about seven or eight because that's when it becomes troublesome because Chelsea right now are having a good bounce and I don't feel yeah. like they're going to drop, they're gonna drop points. Yeah, I, don't, I, don't think they've hit form yet. I don't believe Chelsea have hit form yet as well. I think exactly. they're just like two years at the moment. Two shells, two shells just getting used to it. I think when they hit four. That's what I'm saying. So if they, if they actually just get through results bit by bit, then they're looking kind of good for top four. Let's start doing their thing. Obviously, Basil pointed out also that, you know, because the last season, you can't particularly say that, yes, they will make it because that full-off could happen. And even United are not even certainties. No matter how what people say about United and Bruno and whatever, United could easily drop points elsewhere like they did against West Brom and against Sheffield United this season and not make top four. So I, it's, it will be it'll be very foolish to obviously write them off. But I'm, mm. I'm basing that off everyone else being as inconsistent bar one team. So... I'll tell you this, I'll tell you this, Major. The reason why I especially over the last two weeks, I think they'll fall off is because 
there's a difference when maybe you have to worry about one or maybe two teams in the top four. But the way the season's going, mm. you haven't to worry about four teams because Everton, if they win their games, are above um, Liverpool, I believe. Same mm. with Villa. And I'm not saying that they, those teams are good before, but you also have to worry about the results those teams are getting too because you're in that mix. And so you no longer have to worry that, um, you no longer have to worry about maybe it's just one team ahead of you. There's three or four teams around in that mix too. So yeah, well, yeah. maybe the result for three or four other teams, I think it becomes a bit dangerous when you don't have your rhythm. Mm. I think I it's think a bit crazy. Like, you know, there's this there's, there's there's quite a lot of teams around there, as you say. But I still think Liverpool are very well equipped to be dealing with that. Yeah. Like, you yeah. know, you look you're looking around and the teams in around are like West Ham, Everton, Villa. And then you're, you've got to get through Chelsea, you've got to get through Leicester, but Liverpool is still very well equipped. Like, yeah. you know, coming coming to the end of the season, look, they, they, they've had a tough few games. Brighton look ridiculous at the moment. They just ain't conceding goals. Yeah. You know, they had Leicester. Um, they had, was it was it Man City just before that? Yeah. You know, it's... Those things can happen. They, those teams are going to punish you if you don't have that good in defence. But look, Merseyside oh. derby, get a good result there. Then you've got Fulham, yeah. Yeah. Sheffield United... Those are potential points. And if Salah and Mane start scoring in those, you just never know. That Liverpool side can come alive. And, and they know can. It is. So, quick question to you guys. Um, so, if, if Liverpool lose against Everton, would your opinion change of Liverpool? Do you, or would you That's still think the same? I'm seeing it with Liverpool. Like I said, I said on Sunday when someone asked me about Liverpool and where I think they'll finish, I see their next two or three games as so, so vital because... Like, all they need is one win. Let's be 100. One win, they bounce back, right? Like, there's been a massive dominoes effect there. However much I love the Liverpool slander, and I'm leaving, I'm the cheerleader of that, the fact is you cannot go from as good as they have been for the last two years to this, right? There's a, there's so many things. I mean, I know when we played Fernandinho as part of a centre-back pairing, right? It's not the fact you're playing him as a pairing. It's the fact you no longer have that player playing in his position. Like Fernandinho has been, for me, one of the most important players over the last 10 years at Manchester City, right? Same with Henderson. No matter whether you want to slander him or not, he's a very important player. You take him out of that role and you put him as part of the centre-back, it's not whether he's doing the role well as a centre-back. It's the fact you don't have him doing that role anymore that he used to. So... All of a sudden, the two they brought in or Van Dyke comes back because we don't know. I've heard Van Dyke has been back in training for months, right? Yeah. We don't know what come back, but know. if they sort out one or two of the centre backs and then they they get one or two wins, they'll be back. They will be back. I I'll keep saying I don't rule out Liverpool flipping pressing on in the Champions League still. Like they've got it in them. Like do you know, but, um, do you know, do you know what it is? Yeah. Depths with what you're saying, and the thing I liken it to is back in school, yeah, when we did, um, like I don't know if you guys did, well, the guys from London anyway did, um, AQA papers, so GCSE is called AQA, EdXL, all those kind of things. And the way that it all, the way that it all worked was when you did an exam, when a, a year group did an exam, and um, let's say a lot of people hit a top mark. So let's say Liverpool now, Liverpool Man City hit a top mark. Like they set the bar. So they basically yeah. said, this is the bar. This is the pass mark for everyone. And you need to get that bar. When everyone starts dropping, that bar then slowly comes down because they realise yeah. it's way too high for everyone to achieve it, like to basically achieve. 
And that's what's happened with Liverpool. They've Because that bar that they set, they no longer can hit that bar. They've now come down into the middle of the pack and they've realised, wow, we're actually on the same level playing field as everyone else. And the, that's the problem I have with Liverpool. The sustainability. The bar that they set wasn't sustainable. And that's what we're yeah. finding right now. Like, it just wasn't sustainable. And I was even a victim of this because I... I, I used to fight for Klopp. I used to say, his system is impenetrable. You put Shakiri, you put Minamino, you put Origi. These guys still perform. But you, you're finding now this season, clearly, his system isn't foolproof. Like, it is that there, there, there are holes in it. Because, come on, man, people are telling me the reason, the reason why Liverpool aren't scoring goals is because Van Dijk's not there to switch the play. Are you, are you being serious? No, like, I, come I, on, I, let's be serious. It's really... Man, it's important though, man. Like the, that, the Liverpool, the, 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 the play starts from the back. Because look, the, here's the here's the thing. I know, I know, but bro, they they need those guys pressing on, pressing on, right? You're not letting the other team have time in your own half. Like yeah, that's yeah. such a hard job. Those centre backs have the hardest job in the world. You're, you're I, get you. I get the you. Pressing but, system. No, but I get I, you. But my point is, okay, cool. This is this is where I'm going to wrap it up from on, on my side with Liverpool. When Liverpool were winning and playing at their best. They said Mane, Salah, Fabinho, um, Van Dijk, Trent, Robertson and Alisson were world-class. So seven of their 11 players in the starting lineup are world-class players, yeah? Okay. Yep. That rarely ever happens. To have seven. And we and we as fans, you know what? Because you're the champions and you won the league at Akanta, we're not even going to argue with you. We're not going to argue with you. We're going to say, cool. Yeah, how, yeah, many, yeah. How, many, how many players have been missing? Let's say Van Dijk has been missing and... Trent here and there, but yeah, you've had six world-class players basically available to you for practically the whole season. If you want to give Mane a bit of slack because he had COVID, then fair enough, five and a half. If you have five and a half world-class players, how many teams in the league, bar Man City, have even three world-class players in their starting lineup? You see when you see when we played Liverpool, they had 10, uh, 10 of their 11 players that started the game have uh, won the Champions League. There you go. Anything with them, um, but I, I think with what you were talking about there, the, the whole style of play, the clock meant the philosophy and whatever. What I think we all, all of us, will have said over the years is we've been praising how they've managed to avoid injuries, right? I think we've all said it at some point. How have they managed to avoid injuries? But when you play yeah. that style of football for that long, right, it will impact you. It will. I mean, I don't doubt Vincent Company. It happened to him because of that, right? Um, and there's that, but then also a lot has to be said about like we won the league, and when we won the league, we looked sensational. The second year when we retained it, I think it was very hard retaining it for a third year. Right? Pep said at the beginning of the season, trying to motivate these players to go again for the third time is hard. And I, I, I kind of said last season when Liverpool looked like they were going to win the league, I started saying that I could see. Mane and Salah wanting to leave. I said, they're not from England. Like, however much people like to claim certain players support their club, they're done, okay, right? They've done the Champions League with you. They've done the Premier League with you, right? They're 28-29. They're either going to want a bumper, bumper pay rise or they'll just leave and go and win something elsewhere because they like to win, right? And I don't... I feel like this season... Them to a, maybe we don't. I've heard a few things, but they're pushing for a pay rise, right? Liverpool aren't putting it on the table, 
And then next minute, they, they lose some points. It's a dominoes effect. They lose one or two games. Klopp starts maybe talking differently to certain players in the changing room to how he usually would. Next minute, they get the offer they want on the table. And I think everything with Liverpool, unfortunately, it's just like the... It's just all erupted at the same time. And they just need to get hold of it. I do believe they do have the um, the ability to still make top four, though. With a Salah... Team, a team that can't offer them that pay rise is Tottenham. Uh, because they're just a horrible team. Uh, they lost 3 0 to Manchester <laughs> City. What a segue! <laughs> Sensational. Um, <laughs> let's let's go let's go to, let's go back to you, uh, Adaps. Um, obviously, 3 0 win, you're top of the league. Um, two questions: one, how important or how how much of a blessing has um, Ruben Diaz been? And two, did you see Gundogan uh, playing like this ever? You know, I've got some clips from our pod I could show you at the beginning of this season and I just look like such an idiot. <laughs> the last time we brought a centre-back from Portugal was Mangala. Um, yeah, I mean, Ruben Diaz. I, I wasn't... The reason why I was really... I was a bit unsure was I really wanted Kunde, right? And mm. I just watched Kunde for um, Seville against Bayern pocket Lewandowski, thought we were getting him next morning, here we're getting Ruben Diaz. So I was throwing my toys out the fam. Um, then I watched his first interview and the guy's mentality and the way he was speaking was just, I was like, oh my God. Like, because I, I always praise uh, Bernardo Silva. I think uh, Bruno Fernandes is the same. Ronaldo has really, really taught these this generation of Portuguese players that winning is everything. Like, that's all they want to do. They just want to win every single game. And Ruben Diaz has, like, someone asked me the other day about player of the season. And I said, I'm not going to put Ruben Diaz because maybe the team around him and maybe the fact he wasn't here for the first few games. Um, but he's changed everything at Manchester City. The whole confidence of the whole team. John Stones is now playing like the John Stones of Everton. Like, he can play football again because he's confident with the guy he's got behind him. Um, even down to, I've been unsure on Rodri until this season. But that was because I felt we needed more of a, I always say Nigel De Jong, right, an enforcer. I felt we needed that enforcer. The reason we needed an enforcer was because our defenders behind him weren't doing the job. All of a sudden, Ruben Diaz comes in. We no longer need that, that event, uh, enforcer. We can have a Rodri that can play football. But now he's looking better. Gundogan, everyone, the, even the fullbacks, Inchenko, um, Cancelo, they're being able to play basically defensive midfielders, all because Ruben Diaz, everyone in the team is confident of Ruben Diaz. Like that that is how it is. Um, as for Gundogan, not a chance. Um I felt, I mean, at the beginning of the season, I was a bit like 2019, this time of the year, 2019. Mr. Whippy was sensational. He carried us over the line this season we beat Liverpool. Um, but then since then, he's been a bit hit and miss, not really doing much. But this year, my God. Um, yep, Staps, on, on a podcast yesterday, they asked us, um, and I wanted to know your thoughts on this. Do you think Gundogan's having the same impact um, on this year's Man City team, who we believe will win the title, that Yaya Torre did when you won the title in 13-14? 
<laughs> I think yeah. it was 13 14 anyway. I mean, he right. So, the, in answer to that, he is having the same impact, completely different way, but same impact, yeah, because he's um. Whereas that that season, Yaya was literally picking up the ball and running it like yeah. hundred yards and putting it in the top bottom corner. Um, Gundogan is just hitting the box at the right times. Like he's making the runs. He's, um, I mean, he's an intelligent footballer. He's a reason. He was he was Pep's first signing, and there's a reason when a player is Pep's first signing, and he was injured when Pep signed him as well. Yeah, and Pep still said we have to get this player. Like the guy's an intelligent footballer. But um, the goals, no one saw the goals. I didn't see the goals. The goals are just, yeah. I don't, I, 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 I can't answer it. It's, it's a phenomenon, to be frank. Frank, Like, it's, it's not Yaya. It's not Lampard style. It's just a guy. It's just, yeah, I'm all for it, though. All for it. Right. Um, I, yeah, it's, I, I'm, um, I'm more of a Bernardo Silva fan. I'm a, I'm a big, big fan of it. And I, I said at the beginning of this season, if we're going to stick with Rodri, we have to have... If we're going to stick with the Rodri Gundogan, we have to have Bernardo Silva next to them for his energy. If we don't have those legs, and, um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a... I'm still trying to get used to the way that City's playing this year. It's just very different. Mm. Uh, but the biggest thing for us at the moment, to be frank, is the fact that Man United want to hand it to us on a plate. That, that is... <laughs> We, I was worried about February. I was worried about us dropping points. We've come into February and, well, we're not dropping points. United are dropping points left, right and centre. And I've, I've said they're not going to win nothing on, under Oli. And I believe that. They're not going to win a single thing under Oli. He, we spoke about earlier, the guy doesn't know how to get them over the line. I'm sorry, but he doesn't. He's a great man manager. He can manage plays. He's kept that squad happy. Sensational. But he he's... Like, like, if we go back and look at the games, Leipzig, what was that team selection? Right? Wait, 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 but I do now feel I can say it with chest we're going to win the league like and that's because no one else wants to win it no one else wants to win it like Leicester want to win it but I think maybe they're a bit too far back the other guys they've just handed it to us this isn't the best City team we've ever seen mm. I mean Tottenham fans were, were, were quite chesty when they were they believed that they were going to win the league but now it looks like they're going to lose uh, both their key players yeah. Hyun Min Song and uh, Harry Kane. Do you expect them to end to, to, to end? Sorry, to to leave at the end of the season, uh, Raz. Me, yeah. Raz. No one's Raza. ever called me Raz before. That's funny. That's cool. It's all right. It's all right. It's a new one. It's a new one, man. I'll take it. Uh, yeah, no, no. Harry Kane and uh, no, it's not. It's not Delhi Ali anymore. Who do you say? Harry Harry Kane and who else? Son. 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 I can't speak for whether or not they're going to leave at the end of the season, but um, this since Mourinho's come to Tottenham, we've been waiting for that kind of that explosion, haven't we? Been waiting for that that boom when this Tottenham team, who have you know probably their 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 best strike force in however long I mean since I could ever remember, you know, in Son and Kane, their best attack, 
we've been waiting for them to, to do that march. But there's, there's something about that team that they lack compared to Manchester United, Manchester City and Liverpool and even Chelsea to some degree. And I'm not sure what that is. Whether that's spending power, whether that's the fact that they maybe haven't been able to make the same sort of transfers that the other sides have, I don't know. Um, but I don't, I don't ever feel like Harry Kane's going to leave Tottenham. I've never, I've never, I've never ever felt confident that Kane's going to leave. You know, there, there, there is potential there. It's just that every single season we have that restart where we think now's the time, now's the time, now's the time. Unfortunately, this season is the season where everybody else has decided to wake up. This is the season where West Ham have woken up. It's the season when Villa, Everton have all woken up. You know, what are Tottenham supposed to do? They can't steamroll the season. It's hard. I think, I think what it is, is that you have to remember with Tottenham, there's, there's, there's a lot of things, man. I mean, first of all, second Pochettino, bringing in Mourinho was always going to be a short-term fix in the eyes of everyone. Um, yeah. Short-term fixes never go well in football, especially if you don't... Like, if they don't win that League Cup, I don't know where they're winning another trophy from. Um that's one thing. You look at the stadium. We just seen the Arsene Wenger video on BM Sport where he said because of moving stadiums, he had to sell a star player basically every single summer. Tottenham <laughs> are in that kind of same predicament. And COVID couldn't have come at a worse time for them. They're not yeah, even yeah. going... Like, couldn't have come at a worse time. And it's, this is not even... Because I don't think they would have gone through the same struggles as Arsenal because there's so much money in football, like TV and all of that. That's what Arsenal missed out on. And, and, and Tottenham have put all of their hopes on the NFL, Anthony yeah. Joshua fighting there, all these different things that they think they're going to generate money from. And right now... Um, Can't do that. <laughs> generating a penny. I think... Um, I think... I think Levy is a bit poisonous for them, you know. I don't know if any of you watched that Amazon thing, right? But I mentioned this, and I'm on a Tottenham podcast after this, and I'm, I'm going to talk about this a bit. In you know when Danny Rose had his meeting with um, mm, Jose, and he says I'm going to speak to Daniel about this, right? What's a player telling the manager he's going to speak to the, the chairman of the club? Like how's the how's the chairman even got that relationship with players that they can go to a manager and tell the manager I'm going to go above your head and speak to your boss? Like imagine Kepa being like I'm going to go chat to Roman. How's Daniel Levy got that? Like, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen at probably any of our clubs where a player is going to tell the manager, I'm going to go over your head and speak to your boss. Like, so when I saw that, I thought, what? Like, but um, when he said that, that Tottenham was saying it with chest. That Tottenham only ever say it with chest until December. Like, <laughs> like come on, man. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I don't even... I spend a lot of time defending Tottenham against Arsenal fans. But it's kind of getting to the point now. I can't defend them no more. Like, they're just... I, I, I think Jose... I feel sorry for Jose because when I saw him on Sky before he got back into a job, he'd gone back to being that likeable Jose. Because mm, he, mm. he turned into... Uh, kind of a bit of a bitter old man at Man United. And then that time off, he seemed refreshed and he seemed, and he seemed like that at first at Tottenham. But now, you know, any day, like he's already starting to have those those meltdowns. Any day. I'd even be... prefer him as a pundit because he, he he provides sense to the Sky Sports yeah, panel. He really like, does. He actually does. Guys. Like, yeah. 
guys, guys, we're talking about Jose Mourinho. Let's not let's not talk about this guy as if he's some sort of finished off old manager. This is Jose Mourinho. But Dan, 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 you're you're talking to the biggest Mourinho fan there is. Ask uh, Kojo Kale, they know I am the biggest Jose Mourinho defender. But the point is, when you're being hired as a short term fix. It is always a forget football now. Let's even talk about in the world of work. If you are hired on a short term basis, yeah, it means that there are plans that are beyond you. Like you're not the long term solution that this organization is. They're just thinking we need to paper over this crack for now and then figure out what we're going to do after. The problem is Tottenham don't have that afterthought plan. They're just thinking Mm. we need to win a trophy by all means in this period. Or, go on, go on. Sorry, no, I'm just or like this. No, I'm just I'm looking at this from the from the point of view. Look, I don't I'm again I'm not having a goal, but I see a lot of fans of big teams here, and there's you know what fans generally want things quickly, they want mm-hmm. things quickly, mm-hmm. right? Personally, I've seen so far, you know, you look at look at Manchester City, look at Leicester, look at Liverpool, all the teams that are doing well right now. Liverpool are to some degree still doing okay, right? They're just in a right. They've they've been there long term, and I understand what you're saying yeah. about Mourinho. If it is a short term fix, then okay, it's not going to work out, right? But, but we we know the history we, of Jose, don't we? We know yeah. the history that he always yeah. wins straight away, and then by the time it hits the first season, it's a wrap. He, everything's isn't that, crumbled. Isn't, isn't that the point then? That if Tottenham, because under their previous management, we've been I've said this God knows how many times. I'm sure everyone's heard it about the the painful rebuild. You don't go for someone when you need to rebuild. You don't go for someone to come make, become a short term fix. You have to go and look long term. This because... is how do we know it's not long term? That's my point. No, but no, but do you, that's the thing. We do know, Kodro. This is my point, and this is mm. what people always overlook. Pochettino in the Champions League preview said, "This team is not good enough after this year. If yeah. we win the Champions League, I'm leaving," yeah. because he already knew that. This team wasn't good enough. He probably stayed just out of the loyalty and the love that he had for the club. And it, it yeah. turned to nonsense. And they they put him on Daniel Levy didn't even show the same loyalty that he showed and put him on the like on the like fam. He said it. He said we need about 10 new players to come yeah. and revamp this squad. No one listened, and everyone has ignored this in their analysis of Tottenham. This squad is not good enough. Ask any single Tottenham fan, they will tell you, yeah, that's about when you have 12 players who need to leave your team, you have a problem. Yeah, you have an issue, and this is why. This is why, like, I, every time people talk about Mourinho, I always bring it back to the squad because I'm like, listen, right now it's not even about. The, I know it is about the manager. The manager has to do what he can to make the best of a bad situation. But we've seen when Tottenham play defensive football, they get a goal and then they sit back or they score two and they sit back. It either goes one of two ways: they win or they lose. Fantastic. One way or another, you have a winning. But recently, it's been losses. But even when they attack. They still leak so much because that defense can't be trusted. Apart from Alderweireld, yeah. who I've given credit to, credit to in the past, he's just gone at the end of his powers now, so he's not the same anymore. But the rest of them either haven't improved or have gotten worse. They haven't improved. Davison Sanchez gotten worse. Um, Eric Dyer, which is even scary thinking about it because he wasn't even that great in the first place. So when you have that problem, to ha- it, 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 it kind of drives you as it probably drives Jose insane and the fact that he went and saw his team score four goals and still lose that's a problem because now you're like okay so if we go attacking we score four goals but we concede five and if we defend we score but we can't keep the lead what the hell am I supposed to do you I know think what I mean like, you need to, you need I to... think 
one thing at Tottenham as well is like we know with with Jose when he joined United, I kind of said, look, I feel like you boys United we, before the show we were speaking about my thoughts on Man United, the history of Man United. I feel Man United have been spoiled, right? Because they've they've for many many years, and let's forget the last maybe eight years, but before that they've they've won pretty much everything, yeah. but playing nice football. Right, no one can knock the football they played either. Right, they played nice football. Right, Jose came in, so then you had your Moyes era, your uh, Van, what's his, whatever his name is, the other guy, Van Gaal, Um, and then when Jose came in, I said, Look, you put you, yeah, you, you'll probably win something now, you're gonna win something, but the fact is, you're you're sacrificing your style of football, you're like. And, and this is a problem that because Man United fans are used to, whereas you can go to a team like Chelsea, no disrespect to Chelsea back when Jose joined them or anything, but you can go to a team like that and they don't really mind what style of football you play. Because like, like same with City, when Mancini came in, we're not too bothered about that because we've never won nothing. So trophies are trophies, right? But with Man United, it was like, you have to give them both. You can't go there, think winning stuff's going to keep them happy. It will keep them happy for a very short period of time. Then they're going to want nice football, right? They'd rather wait a little bit longer and play nice football and then win. With Tottenham, I feel like Tottenham are even worse because Tottenham now know Jose's past. So Tottenham fans, when I was speaking to them, were like, if he comes in and we win the league, okay. But if we don't win the league, not acceptable. And, and now the backlash I'm beginning to see is exactly that. They're like, no, we're not accepting this, like, this style of football if we're not getting trophies, like we'll accept it if we're getting trophies. And now, like earlier in the season, I would have said they might have won the League Cup. If they turn up like that against us in the League Cup, like they did at the weekend, they're not winning the League Cup. Like they're, they're not winning that simple. No. Yeah, you need to, I think you need to understand why he was brought in. Um, but he came in at the very wrong time when players were on the decline. Um, ultimately, he was there because when you, when you think about why Pochettino was. <laughs> Um, why, why Levy got rid of Pochettino, why Bill um, Marino, was really and truly to change the mentality of the players. Because the mentality, because Tottenham have always had good players and good squads over the years, but the mentality, they've never ever had like, a winning mentality. Yeah. And I think even Marino at United, even though the football was horrible, they still won trophies. And I think yeah. Levy came in saying, you're going to be here for maybe like two, three years, just to change the mentality of the players, get them in, in, in the winning mentality, with maybe a trophy or two, and then you've done your job, we can now bring in someone who we can start to plan and build around long-term. And I think what Mourinho's come in, he's realised, I can't do that with these with this copper players. He's even thinking, no one can save this copper player. It's like, they're just not mentally, they're, they're fragile. Mentally, they're weak, and these guys do not have a winning mentality, and there's no one that can save these players. So I think what we're seeing, Mar what we're seeing now from Mourinho, he's making a point. He's basically making a point with the start-up, yeah. With a start with some of his team selections, with the players that he's isolating from the first team, he's basically making a point to say, like, listen, I've tried my best with these guys, it's not working. So Levi, look what's happening. Is either you do one or two things, you pay me off because he doesn't even have like a proper exit clause. It's literally if he leaves, they have to pay him a whole bunch of money for him and his guys to leave. So Zabi is like, listen, pay me off and get rid of me, or you have to properly invest in the squad if you want to gain anything out of it. And I think Marino's resigned to the fact that you can't do anything with these players and the best is what you're going to get. And even to go back to your question, Kane, I don't think Kane's going anywhere. I think he's there for a very long time. 
I think Son is probably the one that's going to leave because I think he after I think he's got one more year after this season on his contract, and I think he's riding out this season to see what happens with Tottenham, and he's probably going to look for a big move in the summer or if not in January the same way um, Ericsson did. Same but age, um, that age. Is it that age where he needs that final big paycheck? Yeah. 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 Uh, Brighton and Hove Albion nil, Aston Villa nil. Not exactly the the best uh, result to bring you in. On, but, to, to, but then again, to say Aston Villa, I've really surprised a few people. Um, let's go through it. What was it? Was it the transfers? Because obviously, going from a team that just survived relegation and were very lucky, if VR was uh, working that day, they wouldn't have survived relegation. Don't don't um, give me this. Don't, I'm, I'm not giving it. I'm, not, I'm actually not having it. <laughs> <laughs> to, um, to potential European football. Um, what's what's been the, the driving force behind that? Uh, you sure you don't want me to give you a, uh, a minute by minute breakdown of the Brighton game? No, I mean, what's what's going well this season is you know we've got a progressive manager who you know we're talking about long term plans. Um, Dean Smith came in, and you know we're seeing the team just get built upon. You know this is his team. We had the struggle last season because we had so many players to replace. And thankfully, by the skin of our teeth, stayed up, right? Now, this season has been kind of right. Let's advance. These owners, you've got to understand, these owners want success at Villa. They want, they want Villa in Europe. Now, are Villa ready for Europa League, Champions League right now? I don't know. I don't think so. We haven't quite got the squad for it yet. But what we've seen is the starting eleven. The starting eleven is looking pretty good, um, and it is the transfers. You know, the the transfers from the first season we came up, they struggled at first, but they're playing very well right now. You've got mm -hmm. Douglas Louise, who's looking brilliant. Ezri Konza, who oh, listen, this guy is one of the best English yeah. centre backs around right now. You know, don't be surprised to see him get called up to England. Uh, yeah. You've got. Yeah, he must get a call-up. At the very least, he must be getting a call-up, surely. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully. And now, you know, now this season's transfers just seem to bet in right away, right? Like, Matty Cash betted in straight away. He's looking brilliant. Um, injured now, but, you know, hopefully he won't be for too long. You know, Ollie Watkins has came in. He's done a fantastic job, apart from, you know, he had a slight run without without a goal. But he's, mm -hmm. uh, he's, he's back now. He's back firing. And, yeah, I think this is a progressive team with a progressive manager that's buying into a style of play. It's a very rigid style of play which doesn't change much. And that's why sometimes Villa don't uh, do as well as they can in games. But it is what it is. This is uh, the way that a team kind of improves. And this is, you know, the best you can hope for in a, in a chaotic season. I think you look at like Sheffield United last season and how well they did. You know, do you model yourself on that? Probably not. You've no. got to have something that you can sustain. Um, and, and that's what I hope for, really. Uh, yeah. Look, there's all this talk about Jack Grealish. This, where's he going to go? Who's going to take him? But really, I see him bedding in and just kind of, well, let's, you know, let's, let's, the team being built around him. Exactly. Let's talk. Let's talk about him because he he recently signed a new contract as well. Yeah. Oh, it was a few months ago. Yeah, he's, he's a five a year few, deal. Five year deal. So I don't think he's going anywhere. I mean, live, he's not for life, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a bit around the self, maybe like hundred fifty million, probably. For that. You know what? I, I was going to say, I'm, I'm kind of on this whole greenish thing. I hear. So much talk about him leaving, right? And look, yeah, there's a chance he'll leave. No, no one knows. But the fact is, if you look at him, right? So he supports Villa. He's come up through the Villa Academy, mm. right? 
he loves Villa, yeah, and he 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 got you up. He's he's got the armbands right. His place for England is cemented, right? Like he's 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 on the plane, whether there's a plane or not, or a coach or whatever, right? Um, I hope so. Yeah, he's got to be. He's got to be. He has to be. Yeah. Um, and then you've given him you've given him a new contract. Hopefully, he's being paid kind of what he expects to be paid. I'm not saying he will stay, but then the final thing is that Villa are progressing. Like whether mm. you in the top four or the top six or not, you are progressing. Like so, if you look at all those things, I'm not saying he will stay, but there's definitely reasons for him to not leave. Like mm. there. I don't think it's a foregone conclusion. Of course, if he's only on 120 bags a week and someone offers him 250, his head might be turned. Like we all would turn our heads for that. But I do think there's a there's a and I was going to say hats off that when you were talking about all the positives, you actually didn't mention Grealish, which is which is it's, like, it's not about him. You know, no, it's not. It actually moves back to the first question we got asked about um, about Brendan Rodgers. Aston Villa's manager. We're not really talking too tough about him, neither. No, that's, that's for a reason. I don't want him getting uh, getting picked off by England. But, <laughs> <laughs> but another perfect situation there. You know, you don't you don't talk about this very often either. You know, Dean Smith's a Villa fan. You know, we've got a Brummy, yeah. you know, Brummy Aston Villa fan as manager. Like that's almost yeah, yeah. perfect. Brummy captain, Brummy Brummy manager. That's brilliant. Um, but yeah, look, I I, I don't I don't think Villa are going to finish top six which I don't because I still think there's a lot of cracks that need to be papered over there's still a few things to iron out but what I will say is I like the attitude Barkley's mm. kicking bottles when he gets taken off Grealish is you know looking mad if he gets substituted yeah, and yeah. I like that I haven't seen that for a long time you know you you know you're used to players kind of going off and that's it you know it is what it is these guys we ain't happy with losing and you know whether or not they're there yet I'm liking the attitude. Yeah. yeah. Where are you finishing then? Where do you think you're finishing? Ninth, tenth, I think. I think I think I think I'll be happy with eighth. Wow. I'll be happy with eighth. I think I think I'll be very, very happy with eighth. Um and even, even where you've been. Yeah. Yeah, but look, we we, we, we got we had our scalp. We broke Liverpool. That's fine. Uh, <laughs> 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 no, no, no. <laughs> whatever it is, is we're progressing look we, we nearly got relegated last season you know yeah. can't ask for too much we, we've been up there we, we've been hanging about but there are things that need to improve that squad that squad depth isn't there yet and whatever happens in the summer they'll strengthen again and i think that's um that's the main thing just keep improving keep on keep on making those improvements and don't be happy with it do you know yeah. what i mean but listen, but listen, if you guys need players, yeah, we've got the lights of Bill. Nini, you can take off our hand. <laughs> Brilliant depth. Brilliant depth. <laughs> we'll, we'll drive those players. You, listen, man, we, we like our Egyptians, man. We've got Trezeguet, we've got El Mohamedi. <laughs> I wouldn't put it past us. I think I was going to, I wanted to touch on with, um, with Villa, because I don't know, I, I've said it to someone else and they said, oh, we don't really know enough and you're right, we don't, but you might because you're a Villa fan. Mm. How much an impact is John Terry having on your defence? Do you know what? At first, people like last season, there was a lot of talk about Villa's defence making a lot of mistakes. They were making a lot of mistakes, a lot of just getting getting run over. And people were saying, "What's John Terry doing? What's he actually hmm. doing?" But to his credit, this season and it's, and even you know after after COVID at the end of last season, seeing Mings and Konza and now even Matty Target cash now as well, just getting themselves in front of the ball. 
you know, when Villa, get, Villa get attacked, they get they, they they get teams like really throwing the pressure on them. Some days, some days they, they just don't have the ball. Against and that that's ne- really good. You're really Say that again, sorry. You're really good against that. Yeah, really. and so you know, it's that it's that near post defending. That's yeah. what John Terry was was good at. You know, yeah, yeah. getting in front of the ball. Do you Sanchez, know what's crazy? That's him. Sanchez, you know what's crazy? It failed. <laughs> nah. R.I.P. Sanchez. <laughs> nah, I hear that. But do you know what's crazy for me as well? Having like spent four years in Nottingham, so I followed. Um, like I used to watch the games weekly in it. So I followed Matty Cash for a long time, and he was actually a winger at first. So he came up through mm. the youth ranks as a winger, played as a winger in the in the team. And then he got converted by I've forgotten the manager's name. He got sacked last, last because they didn't get promoted. But um, he converted him to a right back, and that's where he took off. Because there was in January there was int- I don't know if you lot remember there was interest from AC Milan to take him yeah, from was. Nottingham Forest. Yeah, and um, yeah, like he was basically the best player at, at Nottingham Forest. Everyone said he was going to get them promoted, da 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 da, and he would have commanded a bigger fee. Than what they grabbed him for, so I just think his progression that's why. Just a little shout out for him. I just think his whoever, progression that coach great. Was, whoever, that coach, whoever that coach was, that manager was that converted him. Yeah, Klopp needs to give him a shout for uh for Trent because he needs converting back to being a defender, doesn't he? Hey, Daps, I always knew I'd like you, you know. I always knew <laughs> I'd like you. I mean, that's the question as well. And even with Trent, I mean, a lot of people are saying. He, he, the conversion is for him to become a centre mid, but even then, I don't even. I'm not sure because he is he's in the top three in terms of um, losing possession in the history of the Prem. So he has the top three performances of losing possession. Like he's the top three, first, second, and third. Mm. So I just, I just don't know. He gives the ball away a lot. I know he plays extravagant balls, which will increase that, but at the same time, boy. Daniel, oh, you know you've just, Daniel, you've just done, yeah? You've created new um, pun- uh, podcast content for me and Kale. Um... <laughs> Go check it out. Go check it out. He's yeah, going to yeah, top three in the Premier League. Top three in the Premier League. I can tell. Mm, yeah. Let's talk about. Let's go from one disappointing uh, defender to another. Manchester United won West Brom. Won oh. Harry Maguire. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on it today. I don't know why. It's, 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 Captain it's... El Capo. <laughs> <laughs> El Capitano. <laughs> hey, hey, let, me, let, me, let me jump in there to give Mark to give Kojo some respite because I know he's still, still believing. <laughs> Thank you. That's so that's so awful. <laughs> I heard I was listening to Gary Neville, right? And he gave a piece which everyone's agreeing with, which I completely disagreed with completely. He went, Lindelof is a good defender. Right. And I think Kojo thinks this, I think he thinks he's a good defender too, um, from from what I've heard in the past. And I sat there and I was like, no, because as a defender, you need to have like specific basics that you need that should be in your game week in, week out. Lindelof for me is weak. Um, he's awareness, isn't great. Players are running off him with ease. Um, he's not quick. So for me, it's like, if you're not quick, position yourself properly. And I think his positioning sometimes isn't always great. Now, obviously, he did mention that maybe that's because he's partnering the likes of Maguire. So he can't trust Maguire as much to put himself in a certain position. But I, I see so many flaws in Lindelof's game, but him and him and Maguire just as bad as each other. And the fact for me, his physicality is 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 the is the biggest problem for me. That as a centre back, there is nowhere as a centre back we should allow other strikers to shove you off the ball on a regular basis. And I see it too often with Lindelof. And I sit there and I was like, what are they doing at Manchester United? 
that no one has put him in a gym routine just to bulk up or straighten up like minimum. I mean, people complain about the first goal and say it's a foul. I just see it as that it's just a defender being weak. I didn't see it as a foul. I saw it as a defender being weak. Maguire gets let off the hook every single time because he's defending is absolutely atrocious. Absolutely atrocious. And if people think him talking in that defence or him being a so-called leader, player, um, lets him off the hook, they're having a laugh. I don't think Maguire's listening to him anymore. I don't think they listen to him. I don't think he's respected by some of them players there anymore. He's not. And then the thing, people say people that he should be like one of the first names on the plane. I can make the case for Maguire not being selected for that England squad considering his performances this season and last season. Do you know what? In all fairness though, right? With, with United, I look at that United team and I look at you, you look at teams that do well defensively. Would you not just say that that defence has very little defensive cover? Exactly. You know, well, they do. Like, they do. But, but the thing is, um, and I think Gary made the point that even when you spoke about when you speak about Rio and Vidic at times, had character scores in front of the uh, in front of them as a two rather than a one, and then two in front of them as a defensive midfielder, they still did their job. Yeah. And what it is is defensive cover is one thing, but and I agree with it. The defensive cover we have apparently is quite poor, but they fail <laughs> as centre backs at their primary objective and that's the biggest issue um that's what he said about Lindelof the reason why I liked what he said is because when he got to the point where he said though of Lindelof's problem is Maguire Maguire's problem is Lindelof <laughs> it's like he went on to then um talk about why Lindelof is such a burden to that defense um Maguire sorry is such a burden to the defense more than Lindelof because with Lindelof he said at least the reason why he is a good player because on the ball yes the technical skills are uh, so a good level. They're not exceptional, but they're to a good level. But on top of that, at least on the ground, he reads the game well, and he tends to do the thing where you want your defender to usher your opponent away from the goal more than towards the goal. That's a key thing, so that it makes it harder for them to score. Whereas Maguire, it's so simple to get at him. And the thing I've always said about Maguire is, you you are in life, you're either blessed with pace or you're not. You're blessed with, you're blessed with agility or you're not. You can work on him a bit, but you won't, you won't go from super slow to Lionel Messi speed. It won't happen. Yeah. But at least maximise the things that you are good at and yeah. use that as your primary base to defend and then I can get on to you being a good defender for those things. He doesn't maximise those things. Kojo, Kojo, do you think, yeah, mm. I'm going to be I'm gonna be like the... You're going to disagree with me, innit? But I genuinely <laughs> don't think, think Maguire is a bad defender or a bad player. What I would say, though, is that the captaincy is a burden on him. He needs to concentrate on his own game. You know, when, you, you, when you're the captain, as in on the football pitch, people underrate what the captain actually... Look at what Henderson does at Liverpool. Look at what um, um, Fernandinho even does for Man City. Like, these things... Ha like, bro, the captain needs to organise everything on the pitch. He's, the, he's the manager's voice. Yeah, yeah he's, he's literally the manager's voice. now. And, and my point is... If you give Maguire a defender who is capable of being the captain and allow Maguire to work on his own game and let him just be a defender and just concentrate on being that, you unlock him. You'll get the best out of him. That's not on the yeah, but you see, Dan, look, there's no, there's no leadership in that team. No that's, leadership in that team. And that's the problem. There is, there is, listen, that is, I feel like we've got to tele telepathy there or telepathic, sorry, there. The, because I was going to say the exact thing that 
I'm not saying that if they take the armband off him, he'll come alive. Mm. I would just like to see one season of Maguire without the armband, right? And and it's not. I don't feel like it's it's kind of putting him down. I actually think probably this summer, with everything that was going on, Oli did it because he thought he had to stick with him. But yeah. Bruno Fernandez has been calling for that armband, man. The mentality of Bruno Fernandez, yeah, is there. Let him yeah. let him have the armband and let Maguire go back to basics and practice the art of defending, right? And yeah. and I do think, look, you can't go from being rated as an eighty million pound defender to not knowing how to defend. Like it yeah. can't happen. Like it can't happen. So. I, I think you're bang on. You take that armband away from him, you might unlock a good defender. Look at look at look at the cases of where we've seen the armband beat. I, I mean, it doesn't always happen, but literally the point you made, you can't go. Obviously, yeah, we said it, he was overpriced, but he he genuinely deserved that move because of how well he played for yeah. Leicester, and he deserved that move. Let's look at let's even look at Shaka at Arsenal. I mean, he got he got the armband taken away from him in different circumstances, but really and truly, even though Arsenal aren't in the best of form. Is Shaka really the, the, the getting the same blame he was getting when he was captain? I think he he doesn't. He he's allowed to play his game now. Do you know he's what I'm saying? And he, no, I honestly yeah. believe he's played better yeah, as yeah, yeah. non-captain than when he was captain. Like I think this is clear. Nah, nah. Slightly, slightly. It's, not, it's yeah. not just on the pitch, but I think the um, the pressure that being captain puts on a puts on a man is a lot, like mentally. Right. Yeah. And also, we we spoke. Kojo agreed with me earlier that I don't think many of the players necessarily respect him. I think a lot of the United players probably know who should have the armband, so that's probably impacting as impacting him as well. Because isolated and whatever. So, so, sorry, sorry, sorry to sorry to cough, but this is the reason why I don't have sympathies because when he came to the club, the whole club had to talk about. The whole the team and the players and the players was uh, vocal about. He was vocal about the management was vocal about. It. They had a discussion as to who they think should be the next manager. I mean, the manager, sorry, captain of the team. And he put himself forward. They said he put himself forward and they were happy to, to give him the captaincy because the hair didn't want it after the whole thing with Mourinho. And never did Pogba because we all know how United fans feel about him and what happened with Mourinho also. Yeah. So he put himself forward and he said, when armband. Now, if you put yourself forward, you say the armband, you have to understand the responsibility that comes with it because I've said this, if it's me, I'm not a big time player, but if I was in that dressing room, whether I was a squad player, impact sub, um, whatever, but I had my career at the club at United before he was there, I'm not going to look at a leader of someone who, whether it's, it's him or you want to look at it as a team thing, someone that's had four relegations in their career, that's just part, that's part of his career, but that's what happened. So I won't look at him as someone as a leader, nor would I look at him as a leader because he wasn't a leader or captain at his previous club at Leicester. Leicester are a bigger team than Hull. So when you take that step up and you're not looked at as a leader in that team, I can't look at you and come and say, you can be leader of me at Manchester United. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't yeah. have that sort of sympathy for him. But that's why I was talking about. That's why I like Daniel saying that he should improve on it because that's what I don't think I want. If you are a limited footballer, improve on the things that you're really good at and in everything else... Whether you're blessed with it or not, you can't help. Physical attributes yeah, 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 are not what they are. You can't be blessed with pace all the time. I'm not flipping fast. If I was fast, I would have ran myself off of school so I'm doing yeah. you see in bulk levels. Yeah. It is what it is. Like I just what you're saying, because I kind of disagree with uh with the captaincy burden. 
I think it's about systems and when you move to a big club, it's a different type of approach. And that's when you have to rely more on your abilities more. Because the way Leicester set up, it was suits for someone like Leicester weren't Leicester, Leicester, Leicester sort of the defense didn't move much, neither did the midfield. They had like two holding midfielders. So the way they set up was to counter attack teams. And so for me, it's much easier to defend when you have that protection around you and you don't have to do much movement but operate in a certain area. When you go into a bigger club, the football there is more progressive. So sometimes there's, there's gaps which are left open where, as a defender, you have to show that you have the ability to cope in certain situations and pressures. And I think that is where the likes of Maguire is failing, is that he's just been left exposed at United where it's a different type of football. You now have to raise your games and levels a bit. And unfortunately, it's, like, it's too many games I've seen it. Even a game against West Brom where, um, what's his name? I think Diagne, I think that's his name where he shoved him off the ball and should have scored that goal. That's basic elementary defending, but I shouldn't be seeing from a player defending for Manchester United. And things like that I've seen far too often. And if I'm seeing it just on the weekend, I, I'm sorry, there's no hope for him, unfortunately. I can't even say it's a thing of the captaincy's a burden. The captaincy's a burden. That's just basic defending you expect at an elite level for, for a player playing for Manchester United. And I've seen that one too many times, and I don't think that's going to change. And that's just down to they're not good enough to operate at a level of Manchester United. Less than below, maybe that's your level, but at United, you've been found wanting too many. Yeah, sure. Here's a quick shout. Here's a quick shout, right? Da da sorry. Uh, let, quick, quick shout. Right. I'll put it out there, right? David Alaba is leaving Bayern Munich at the end of the season. Is he the perfect guy to come into that Man United defence if these are the attributes we're looking at? 400 bags a week I'm hearing. I don't well, well to be honest, what are we playing how many players? I mean Phil Jones is on how Yeah, I don't Henderson. know if money's an issue. Henderson <laughs> hasn't played a game for May 9. He got 180k a week contract for five years. So at this point, if we complain about Alaba for 400 k then we're just hypocrites. You know what I'm saying? That's what it is. Um but back to, 180. brother, brother, if I continue, we'll be in big trouble. Um but on the game, yep, I, I agree. Um, Lindelof was pathetic in that, in that, um, in that for that goal. Should have been stronger. Should have anticipated it. Should have attacked the header rather than stand there and wait for the ball to come to him. And Bruno Fernandez scored a lovely goal, um, nicely taken volley. Apart from that, Martial same old. Rashford same old. <laughs> Rest of the team same old. May night same old. I think we'll wrap it up there. Um, Arsenal quickly. Kojo, I, 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 want, I want to have a show, whether it be on our platform or your platform, where we can just talk City and United, because I think... Let's <laughs> do Trust me. Trust I've me. I've talked about Man United for a long, long time, and you seem like the type of United fan that I could talk to about Man United without it being taken that I'm just a hater. Because I'm. let me be clear, I'm not a hater of Man United. I just I just get frustrated with the uh, putting up with mediocrity. Like, so. Don't worry, bro. We got... We'll do it. We'll do it. And where, which platform is, I'm happy to do it, bro. I'm, I'm good. Let's just get on it because I'm, yeah. I'm ready. Putting up with mediocrity, Arsenal Football Club. 4 2. Uh, <laughs> we do. <laughs> we do. <laughs> okay, before you continue, I'll say that this is probably the best I've seen Arsenal play. But maybe when we conceded two goals, probably the best I've seen Arsenal play under Arteta, um, in fairness. So I'll, I'll add that. Well, no, that's that's that's, that's that was a question I was going to ask you. That's obviously, that was for me as well. That's personally the best we see. I've, I've seen Arteta's Arsenal play. Um, is it enough to make you a believer, though, Basil? Because you've been you've been a you you haven't quite believed from the very beginning. So let's let's answer that question. Do you know? Nah, do you know what it is? 
Not really, because my biggest issue with Arsenal, right, on that test is that I can't see us going on like a run of maybe five or six games and getting victory. Obviously, next we've got City next on Sunday, which is going to be a difficult one. I don't feel like that. So I've written that game off. But I think I'd like to see, like, I like for me to for me to believe in Arteta. I like to I like there to be a period where I feel com- um, confident that we can win maybe five, six, seven games on the bounce. Because even when Arsenal win, I always fear that there's another draw, another defeat just around the corner. Because I still don't think we impose ourselves well in games. And I was very surprised at the way we played at Leeds and how well we played. Like that shocked me. I wasn't expecting it. And that should mm. tell you something. So we can we can put in that performance. Obviously, forget the City game. But the games after City, we can revert back to tight and be passive and be slow and the players not have a clue what they're doing on the pitch. Mm-hmm. So, like I said, do you know, this season's a write-off. I'll see, I'm, I'm intrigued to see what happens next season under Arteta. Mm-hmm. I think that for me would be where I can give the final assessment as to where Arsenal are going under him, whether we're going to do well or whether it's not going to work out. So, I'm giving him a pass for this season just because I think we know where we're at. But then we'll see what happens next season. But like mm. I said, credit where credit is due. I like to give credit to people when they do well. We did very well against the Leeds tactically and in the approach. So credit to him and credit to the players. In that. I feel like all the credit this year has been going to um, Saka, uh, Emil Smith-Rowe. Odegaard even played well yesterday. But we'll get... Um, Obviously, the criticism was laid heavy at um, Aubameyang's feet. And because obviously he, he uh, held such a... Uh, high standard. So it's great to see him back in form. Is this the game? Can you see him going on from there? Or is it just the fact that he might just hit another summer? This season might be a write-off for him personally, as well as Arsenal. You are Basil. Yeah, I'll, I'll say this. In regards to other, I don't think so. People are saying, oh, he's back. But every player has like one game where they do that. <laughs> I don't think... I don't think he's going to find his rhythm. I think he's still going to struggle come the season. But I don't think anything's changed with Arsenal. I don't think anything's really changed with him. I think it was just one of those games where we, it, was like, it was like the West Brom game. One of those games where Arsenal were firing and we had a good day. I think come City, he's not going to do anything. And then come probably the game after that, he's probably not going to do anything. Because the Leeds have left so much space for him to exploit and score those goals. Other teams are not going to give the Batman as much time and space as he did. In that so yeah, facts, facts, facts. It was great. It was a great hat trick, though. He took it really well, at least. I mean, it's yeah. a good pass back. Oh, we know. And then it's a keeper to play a part. <laughs> oh, no, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, but at the end of the day, uh, for me, at the end of the day, as a striker, when the chance comes to you, you got to try and apply yourself in the best way possible. He did it, he did it at the end of the day, innit? Um, obviously, he's been through a lot, um, especially with his mother and that. So it's good to see him like he's back to it. Looks like mentally he's back to where he wants to be. It looks like it so far. Um, this is a great way to start, um, get goals, score a hat-trick. Um, so, yeah, it's a good shout. But, yeah, you're right. It has to continue. If it doesn't continue, it's, it's a waste of time. Uh, we shall finish on Chelsea's 2-0 uh, victory over Newcastle United. Team of Werner, finally. How many how many games was that now, Daniel? Is it 14 games? Goal drop? Bro, I lost count as well. <laughs> I know it was it was over a thousand minutes, something like that. Um crazy. But do you know what? Look, this is what I keep saying. Actually, do you know what? Ask your question and then I'll feed no, it. No, go, go, that. go for it, man. Go for it. No, the point I was making about Chelsea is that look, Timo Werner, yeah, 
The reason why I didn't put him in the same category as the Maratas and the Torres is, is because performance level, you can see if a player is playing well, but it's just not coming off for him. Mm. You don't go from being third top highest goal scorer in Europe, goal, I mean, and, and goal contributions as well, after Lewandowski and Ronaldo, to them being a bum. That just doesn't happen. And I even find it interesting that even being considered this flop, he has 10 goals and 10 assists and has arguably, arguably had a better season than Mane, Martial and some of the other wingers who have been considered to be the best in the Premier League. That means there's levels to get to. And this is the reason why I personally haven't given up on him. I think a lot of it, a lot of the management didn't help in terms of the way he was being utilised. I think that the difference you're seeing is he's not specifically a winger under Tuchel. He's being allowed to come off the left. It just makes sense, in it? Tactically, it makes more sense how he's being utilised. Lampard had him literally sitting on the wing as a, yeah. as a, as a left winger, rather than now he's a tucked in now, playing closer to the striker. Um, and um, and if you remember under Lampard, he'd be in crossing positions from far wide, but now under Tuchel, he's in crossing positions from where Hazard would normally cut it back into the box. And that's where he, I'd I'd rather see him there than see him trying to cross it from like the corner flag with his left foot. Do you know what I'm saying? But he deserved it, man. He started the game well, started the game positively. He was our best player for the first, like, 30 minutes. He missed two chances where you thought maybe an informed Timo would have scored. And people forget that goal he scored against Southampton goes under people's mind. That was a fully confident, a top quality, let it go through his legs, cutting, and then runs into the box and then shoots it across the keeper. Like, that was a, a guy who looked primed with confidence like and that's why I have a lot of faith in him man I, I do think he'll come good he'll definitely come good I think just one quick point I'd to what I'm done is like, I think the only thing you need to be wary of um in regards to Timo Werner watching him it seems like he reminds me a bit like of, of the likes of Bardi in terms of that I don't think naturally he's a clinical striker he's like a confident striker that when he's full of confidence that's when he finishes his goal when the confidence is down and you just have to lie and maybe just your natural instincts in front of goal. I, I don't see that with Werner. But I, I look at how he's taken some of his chances and it it just seems like a player that is not confident that when I hit this, is going into the back of the net. So I yeah. think there is that worry with Werner that he can go on a run, but it is like when his confidence is down, that run can quickly come to an end and we can have another drive as we've had in this season. But I do I agree. I agree with everything you said in regards to his utilisation and how Lampard used him because it was criminal the way Lampard used him down the road. And I think that's important, though. Like you know, goal droughts. You know, the thing with the thing with the striker in the Premier League now as well. You know, defenses are so much more advanced. Like so, so many of the top sides have, you know, worked on just systems and systems. You know, you don't you don't see those managers anymore who just tell the boys to go out there and just do do whatever, right? So you know, it's it's it is going to be difficult for him to come to the Premier League and, and start banging in goals. I don't remember the last you know the the last striker that that came from abroad and just started banging in goals for fun. You know, it's hard. Oh, it's difficult. Yeah, Bam, that's yeah. Yeah, yeah, a couple of years ago, though. It's a couple of years ago. Look at the smile. Look at the smile on Basil's face. And <laughs> even him. West Ham fan. Look at <laughs> And even Obama Yang, you know, he's been played a little bit differently this season and he's struggled. Yeah, um, but yeah. look, the thing, the, the thing is for me with Chelsea is that, you know, whatever happened earlier on in the season, it is what it is. I don't, I, I don't mean this is an insult to Frank Lampard. Frank Lampard, did a very good job at Derby and he'll go to another club and he'll do well. Yeah. 
Thomas Tuchel is more experienced than Frank Lampard at that level, and he knows how to manage those players better. So just, just, when it comes even, to just, Warner, just even to add to that, what you need to remember now is look at squad utilization. The problem mm. Lampard had, he had an unhappy, like he had too many unhappy players. It's all well and good having maybe one or two, but when you have about five, six players who are unhappy at the club and who are big players, big personalities, yeah. you're going to struggle as an inexperienced manager. Mm. Yeah, it's true. it's true. You know, because yeah, they're going to be thinking, what's what's this guy know about? You know, know about how good I am. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, the funny thing is, even that's a place. It reminds me of when Daniel Sturridge was talking about um, when ABB came at the club, and it was the same thing he said. He said like, he had like maybe the right ideas, but then it's like the players didn't respect him enough because they're like, he's more or less the same age as me. We've been here longer. How can you talk to me in a certain way? Or how am I not playing? Or how can you isolate me in the manner that you're isolating me? And it's the same thing with Lampard. Lampard and Lampard was part of the. The squad when ABB came in, so he should have been fully aware of that. I think probably Lampard came in, but I'm Frank Lampard, top goal scorer here, Champions League winner, and he thought that would have hold over players. But players are selfish; they don't care about all of that. It's about how can I benefit? How can I gain from this? And if you're not giving me the exact things I want, I'm going to, you know, you're not going to. You're, I'm, the attitude that you're not going to get a friendly version of me. You're not going to get a, a version of me that wants to help you out because, unfortunately, you just don't date for me. And I think. Lampard, even looking at some of the things he says in the press conferences, or even when they lost matches, and he'll say they weren't running, um, they didn't do, they didn't do the basics. I think he came in a bit naive when he came into the club at Chelsea, thinking that I hold weight and I have a bit more power than he actually had. And I think in the end, it, it went against him. I say this I think- all the time about Chelsea as well. Like um, there was a lot of complaints. I even spoke to one of my um, one of the. Um, athletic journalist and he basically broke it down to me in terms of the things that got revealed Roman has a reason for controlling the squad the way that he does Lampard wanted control like a lot of managers do when they come to Chelsea they want control they want to do this but Roman has a reason for being in charge of the squad and having Marina dictate what the manager gets and the reason for that is because when the last manager to have full control of transfers and decide who to buy and who to sell was Jose Mourinho when we won the, the league the last time. And what happened there? Cool, we got good investment on Diego Costa. But at the end of the day, Mourinho sanctioned the sales of Salah, De Bruyne and Lukaku for a combined fee of £57 million. £57 million for those three players. The Chelsea board aren't looking at it like the, during them times we didn't have inflated transfer fees. That is talent, yeah, that cost... In today's market, two hundred and fifty million pounds easily, in in that region. So I don't blame Roman for having such control over the squad. You've just got to do what you need to do on the pitch, as a manager, and get the best out of your squad. And the only way you can do that is if you're tactically foolproof. And Tuchel is clearly more experienced as a tactician than Lampard, and it's obviously showing right now in the form. And we haven't even hit top gear yet. I'm waiting for us to slap a team, and we're still and we're winning. I don't think we won four games in a row under Lampard. We had an unbeaten spot, but I don't think we won four games in a row. And that's that's what we're seeing right now. We're seeing continuity, beating teams comfortably, efficiency. When we face Man United now, that's going to be the real test. And we'll see if we've really changed or if it's a new manager bounce. We're not a test. Don't worry. Look somewhere else. We're not I think we should uh, wrap it up there. Uh, I just want to thank all you guys for, for joining us uh, this evening. Um, January... Ra- Ra- I don't want to call you Raz anymore. I don't know who you, <laughs> you can call me Daniel, man. You can call me Daniel. Let's come, man. I don't... No, we'll know. We'll know. We actually know. <laughs> That's where they find you. 
listen, my Twitter is right there at Raza Journal. Um, follow me on there. Uh, and yeah, if you want to see a lot of ranting about Villa on match day, that's where it's at. If you're online at 2 a.m., I'm probably talking about wrestling, but either way, <laughs> give us a follow. <laughs> Daniel, where can they find you? I see on screen Daniel Bamji um, for all my tweets, all my comments, all my banter. Um, and then obviously for my football content, Eyes on the Ball TV, you can catch us there, man, just doing our thing. Uh, I, I also want to say, um, if you have not heard the track that they use for the intro, yeah, go and hear that banger. You will be skanking in front of your screen. Time. Banger. Basil, where can they find you? Appreciate it, man. Yeah, no, you can find me on my personal social app, BJ Kajon4. Um, sometimes happy days are going Arsenal, sometimes not so happy days are going Arsenal. And also, as part of the three says team at FSN Cup too. Uh, Coach, where can he find uh, Daps? Because he, unfortunately, his uh, internet cut off. Yeah, so um, you know, I thought he's got his at his full. Change it. Let me just check it right now. Here we go. Yeah, so it's at DJ Daps, the host, on um, Twitter, and his uh, his own podcast is at Never a Foul. Uh, really good guys, really good show. So go check them out. Go subscribe to them as well. Uh, Coach, where can they find us? Uh, you can find us on here, right here on YouTube, obviously, uh, Free in the Field. Podcast, you can find us on Spotify, you can find us on Twitter, you can find us on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud, Free Midfield. Come check us out, like, and listen and subscribe, all that good stuff. This has been another episode of the Free Midfield Podcast. Good night. And I should have the exit ready, but why don't you, bro? Why don't you? <laughs> I don't know. We're gonna get, get it up. up.